Greetings and welcome to Behind the Formula. I'm Gabrielle. And I'm Ivana. And in this episode, we will discuss the paradox of Schrodinger's brakes, Yield Auto Club Etsy Shop, and the rise of nationalism and political interest within racing in the interwar years. So to continue wherever we or you left off, Gabby, do you have a new story for me? A new adventure of automotive yeah, racing today history? I have some stuff for us about interwar racing. It's Ooh. a lot more interesting than that sounds. I'm already I on promise. the edge of my seat. I'm already on the edge of the Thank seat. Thank you. I'm ready for this. This is why we're friends. Yes, yes. Um, so from Snap. 1919 to 1930, editor Gabby here. This should actually say 1919 to 1920. Back to the show. There was still, the war was over, but there still was a lot of racing. Um, the British and the French clubs both kind of agreed because the industry was kind of diminished at that point that they should maybe kind of hold off on holding professional events. But that's not to say someone wasn't out racing a motorcycle on like a lonely street in Canada. <laughs> they were emotionally diminished and physically diminished but some people were like, we gotta go fast, we gotta figure this out. Yeah, they're probably there. So at this point, if there was anything, it was probably like Formula Libra, which is pretty much non-regulation regulations. <laughs> so it was like the rule here is there's no rules and the rule here is we get to do what we want to do. Yeah. That's the rule. To varying results throughout time. I assume no rules in motor racing end really well. Yeah, when you can just add any car you want to a race. <laughs> the Dion is like, is this my moment? <laughs> is this my moment to shine? Is this my moment to shine? Is it time for my, my tractor motorcycle to, to come? Sh- to come. <sighs> Maybe. I like to think he was out in the field somewhere and just living his life. And then um, by 1922, we actually do kind of have this return to more kind of professionalized racing, Ooh. if you will. With the formation of the CSI. <gasps> CSI? Are they investigating crime scenes? Nope. They are setting regulations and controlling all aspects of motor racing and introducing the rules for international Grand Prix racing. So not as entertaining. Mm-hmm. And possibly causing the crime scenes as well. Potentially. They not are- intentionally, but... You know, they were there. They were there. They both did it and then came to review it afterwards because they are part of Yield Via. So they were somewhat crime scene investigators. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they probably came in maybe after like safety problems and maybe other kind of violations. It's like people doing questionable stuff. Yeah. Maybe also questionable stuff during meetings. Mm -hmm. Who's to say? Who's to say? We're just extrapolating here. But back to the rules here that they are trying to enforce. Most of them actually revolved around kind of car size and engines in this time period because pretty much since the birth of racing there's always kind of been the idea that it's too fast and you need to slow it down because these people are making cars past what they can actually They're control. like, how fast can we go? The engines are developing better than the brakes, let's say here. <laughs> or the people's willingness to stop and think about their actions. You know, once you put in the goggles, do you need to think? No. You're I a different do. person. You're a different human. Um, And actually also too, during this era, we saw kind of US and European racing kind of move even further apart in a sense where they're kind of having different tracks different rules and so this is kind of one of the points we're reaching where they kind of can't race each other anymore mm. it's kind of you like american you gotta and european cars you gotta pick a side you gotta pick the u.s versus all of europe yeah <laughs> historically a great battle <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Ended well for everyone. Yeah. And at the same time, too, we're also seeing kind of a public interest in racing kind of booming in the 20s because it kind of fit kind of like that kind of like jazzy, jazzy culture, oh, I guess. Jazz culture. Yeah. Especially like in places like Paris, motor racing was really picking up and even kind of non-drivers were getting into it. They started to hold actually celebrity car races. Yes. 
Like, you can't see it, but she's making a very excited face. But they pretty much put like a star of the day in a race car <gasps> and have like a little kind of handicapper. So it would be the equivalent if we like put Marion Cotillard in a race car she and just stunning. like sent her out and everybody's like, she's beautiful. She's like, fast. She's stunning. We love her. She can do it. Yeah. And actually the interesting kind of thing about these is actually um, some women who kind of competed in this. Also, we had some high society women kind of competing in these. They did it. And then they were like, wait a minute. I'm kind of good at driving. Like. <laughs> Should I do more of this? It's like, I'll do more. I'll do yeah. More. And so we kind of even had to start having all women's events cool. at some races. I mean, obviously weren't as well respected, but they were still kind of getting out there. The women were like, we can go fast. Screw the fa- patriarchy. Yeah. But also the patriarchy is telling us that our race is not as good as this. But <sighs> whatevs. We out here looking fabulous, fabulous. in cars. With in yield hats and yield pants and yeah, yield goggles. Yes. Little driving gloves. Like it's red lipstick. It's look. Eyeliner. She looking fierce. There's actually a lot of women though. Like kind of. Which I guess kind of formed an interesting dichotomy too. Of like you could be a female race car driver. But the minute you got out of the car, you had to be kind of society's idea of a woman. Like, yeah. You had to look perfect. You'd be wearing the fur. Which the is fur kind of, <laughs> while racing. Well, no. After you got out of the car, they um, kind of expect you to return kind of to that feminine ideal which actually oh. I think is kind of like an interesting like interplay in this time between kind yeah. of like the rise of like the athletic woman but oh. then she still has when she re-enters that moment of society that the minute the car turns off she has to be that ideal again yeah. which well, it doesn't change we're, we're gonna probably come back yeah. to that a little bit later when we introduce okay. some of the great ladies okay. that I found along yeah. the way that I think deserve a little spotlight they deserve their shout out but before we can really get into the organized championships that took off in this era I think we need to meet some of our drivers is it a little driver lineup yeah a little driver lineup first to coming to the stage we have louis chiron a louis louis he is from monaco oh he quite bougie he was referred to as the old fox oh yes and he drove for ferrari bugatti mercedes and at one point his own team with another driver called scudera cc Yes. Named after both their last names. They were very creative. They were like, well, what should we name it? <laughs> just Scuderia CC. We just combine it. We get it out. We The branding's impeccable here. Yeah. Which then, if you has not come up for you before, Scuderia pretty much refers to Italian stables, like horse racing. So it pretty yeah. much be, means team. Because what are we doing here? If not Googling things so you don't have to. That's our not our job, but our willingness to do this. Exactly. And he pretty was pretty successful he's one of the more well-known drivers from this era winning in france um czechoslovakia he's won multiple times to the point where i guess allegedly Allegedly. there's a phrase kind of like oh he drives like chiron which means like he drives real fast yeah real fast Mm -hmm. yeah and he's actually one of the only monaco drivers to have actually won the monaco gp oh so charles charles still has a record to go (laughs) charles has a lot to do charles has many things to do emotionally and you know, probably racing in the shitbox called a Ferrari. You know, when it, they eventually figured it had an Amica shitbox. We'll or really be sorry in some ways. We'll lose this great time in our lives where we just got to make, make fun. fun of them and have it be valid. Oh, yeah. But back to Louis. Yeah, she kind of has an interesting kind of rise to racing, oh. if you will. Um, he really benefited in the sense from kind of becoming more professionalized in that he wasn't really from money in Monaco. Oh. Like his dad worked at a hotel. He worked at a hotel himself. Oh, so he wasn't like bougie Monaco. He was yeah, he, like, he was in Monaco. So that probably is some <laughs> level of bougie at any given time. But yeah, he in this professionalization probably actually helped him in the kind of like he could now kind of get in into that it. Bougie so it 
you're just rich milk. You get hired by a team. Okay. Yeah, and he was actually along the way helped by wealthy older women into joining motorsport. He, according to an article I was reading, I believe was called a companion and dancer. So dancing, perhaps a prostitute. I was to say, I don't know how far it went. <laughs> We're just speculating now, but he 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 tried. Yeah, so that's how he he's seducing of, some older ladies, being like, "Look at my moves." Now yeah, give me some money. and speaking of seducing women, Ooh. he actually hit one of his long-term girlfriends. He stole from the guy who was running part of his team. Oh, her name, Baby. Baby. Her real name was Alice, but apparently her nickname was Baby. Oh, giving a but Baby, yeah. Baby. Ooh. Yeah, new meaning to that song in that he also lost Baby to another driver. Oh, so Baby was just like, I'm done with him, now I'm going to you, but now I'm going to go someone else. Yeah, because she was like, Louie won't marry me. I need someone who's married yeah. type. And would you like to know who she left him for? Yes, I would love to know. She left him for Rudy Car- Caraciola. We're just gonna go. We're gonna yeah, go. I've I've read this name multiple times to her, and I don't think I've said it right once. And I've also never looked it up. What different ways you've said it different ways. You know, different times. You can be wrong however you want to be yeah. wrong in this world, and that's how we're living here today. Yeah. And he was from Germany. He's oh. just trying to have dating profiles. I know. I'm like, let me let me know how it went. Um, and he was called the Rainmaster because everybody in this time got a moniker. So he was like Rainmaster? Yeah, because Why? one of his kind of breakthrough international victories in Germany was him winning at the Nürburgring in the rain. Oh, so he was like, he dancing with the devil. Yeah. And the people were like, he's really good. He won three titles. He mainly drove for Mercedes. Oh, okay. But also drove his with Scudier CC with Louis. He oh. was the other C. Who was the other CC? He was yeah, CC. Yeah, but I mean, their success was very short-lived given that at one of, um, in the season, they pretty much had their own team because they were like, why are we always driving for other people? We should get the glory for ourselves. Like we can just buy, in that time, we- you can kind of just buy a car from a manufacturer oh, okay. and then race it. So like, not like now. Yeah, I believe they bought a um, Alfa Romeo um, to race together. Um, And so pretty much they were preparing for Monaco. They were doing their practice session in, I believe, um, 1933. And he actually had a really bad accident during the practice. And it actually forevermore injured his leg. I believe it was a little bit shorter than the other one. He had a lot of pain when he drove, which kind of really affected his later driving. Yeah, that's like hard to do when you're like, yeah, but he had to come back within a year because he, he was like, back. there's nothing else in my life. He was <laughs> within that same year. His um, first wife before baby, before baby actually died in an avalanche. Oh, because they lived in Switzerland at oh. a chalet. That's and apparently that's nice, what happens to you in the 30s when you're rich and living in chalets. In yeah, Switzerland. you die in an avalanche, <gasps> which if this was the beginning of a mystery novel. This would be where he the detective would, be, would come in. He would come in and he'd be like, the husband. Was got, it the husband it. or was it the butler? Exactly. Yes. But that is another story. We've got to move forward. Yeah. And um, within kind of his driving for Mercedes, as I mentioned earlier, kind of intrinsically in that time tied him to 1930s Germany and the rise of the Nazi state because Hitler really saw racing as a tool for propaganda and to kind of push their image on international scale. Like if we have a winning car, we're a winning people. And he being one of the Mercedes drivers kind of became tied to this in ways that are kind of more complicated retrospectively because obviously in the time before World War II happened, a driver or someone connected to... Germany like that may say like, oh yeah, like yay, yay, Nazism, this is going to help my career. So, um, and then afterwards, obviously, like, oh no, I was never fully into it. So we'll never, 
it's one of those things where I mean we don't we, know what's inside people's hearts and minds. Like we don't know if they were down with the Nazis or they were just. But it was at least complicit like, in what is, happened. But yeah. then again, that's kind of a complicated social question that I'm not sure we can fully echo out here. Given I think there are whole academic historical books about who was really a Nazi. Extent. Yeah. But he was at least intrinsically tied to that image in this yeah. time period, which will come up more later as we talk about them joining in it. But to lighten the mood. To lighten the mood from Nazis. Yes. Would you like to know some fun facts about him? Okay. Yes, I'd like some fun facts about Rudy. Um, he apparently at one point had a pet dog who was a golden-haired dash hound. Oh, that's cutie. Who went into a river. Oh. But don't fret, because all of the other drivers on the grid jumped into the river to try and save this Aww, dog. They were like, Rudy can't lose that dog. Yeah, Rudy has like, a hard life. Rudy, Rudy needs Rudy that dog. Needs, yeah, Rudy is a robot and we're a little scared of him, but <laughs> we want him to be happy. We want him to He was kind of known as someone who didn't make mistakes. So they were a little bit afraid of him, but also, <laughs> I guess, respected him slightly. Respected him. They were like, we yeah. gotta do it. Second animal. Because apparently Rudy really loved a good luck charm animal. He loved, he loved someone. He had a pet monkey later in his career. Later, later. 30s with, with baby. Oh, him and baby had the pet monkey. Him and baby. Monkey who wore knitted sweaters. And the monkey had knit sweaters. Just picture. Oh, you're in a 30s race right? so and you see just like a knitted monkey. Just him like hand and holding a monkey like, through the paddock. Just yeah, being just like, like walk around the paddock. What was the monkey's name? I It did not come up when I read that fun fact. Gunther. You want to name know. it? Uh, well, yeah. It's name Gunther. Gunther the Gunther the monkey. Yeah. And his knitted sweater. And then we'll later on go a little more into some of his teammates and also his rival Ooh. because in this time period everybody got a rival everybody for some rival. reason you had to it was like part of your character yeah i development. think you just like came to the grid and you saw somebody and you're like i don't like the look of him what why is he your rival i'm gonna figure it out later yeah or you see him dressed up like that as like he's my rival what is he wearing yeah it's like hockey that. where you're like man in other jersey bad <laughs> other goalie in other jersey is bad need to fight <laughs> need to fight it's street fighter yeah um with blades and ice yeah um, and to go to our Italian here. Our We're Italian. just going to cover just the... We are going to the Italians. Okay, then. Let that sink in. I would rather it not. <laughs> if it was a topical ointment, I would rub it off. <laughs> anyway. Okay. We have Tazio Nuvolari, who is known as the Maestro. Yes. That's quite the name. He drove for Alfa Romeo, which I believe at that point was being run by Enzo Ferrari. Oh, so okay. kind of, he drove for you, Ferrari. He no, he was a young man Oh, Ferrari. young man Enzo, yes. Yeah, just had stopped racing. He also drove for Maserati and later on Auto Union, oh, which okay. is its own tale. Oh, okay. Before he started racing, he was actually a motorcycle driver. Oh. Very talented. And in the 1920s and 30s, he was actually one of the older drivers on the grid. But he's still very much known for his emotional and fast driving on the track and his reserved nature off the track. Oh, so he's an emotional driver. He's emotional, but then off the track, very kind of reserved, very much loved his family. Oh, I would I like say he's the old Kimmy, but he didn't really like drinking that much. So doesn't really hold up. <laughs> um, and also with him, he didn't seem to really believe in breaks, which oh. contributed to some of his successes. He was also oh, okay. a man that... Um, when another driver had kind of accidentally kind of pushed him off the road, the driver later on apologized to him, being like, oh, I'm sorry. And he responded with, don't be too sentimental. I will get my revenge later. So he's very much of a call an ambulance, but not for me. That's that's like some mob stuff. He was like, don't worry. You hurt me once. You won't have the opportunity again. Instead, it'll be you. Mm -hmm. I like him. He also kind of became a byproduct of kind of nationalist intervention within motorsport, except this time with Mussolini, who as well developed an interest in motorsporting and was kind of one of the reasons why he kind of 
got stuck or stuck around at Alfa Romeo. I mean, depending on how some some accounts say he helped him stay there and our accounts said kind of like he kind of made him stay there, even though maybe he was interested in going to a German team that was performing better. Because in this time, um, him and like Rudy and our drivers really just kind of drove for themselves. Okay. It seemed with some of them, they didn't really care as much about kind of that country tie-in. For them, they're like, I just want the best car. I don't care where that yeah. car is. I and the countries were kind of like, I want you to care. I, I need you to care because fascism. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was known for enjoying some dark humor. So oh. he would be the first to make a joke that he was driving in a coffin. I like it. I like a good man. Like yeah. And Laren, he also had a rival. Oh, yay. And that's yes. an Italian rival. Of course, you got to be Italians, Italians. It had a matchup there. It had a matchup. And then finally, um, I want to talk to us a little bit about Renee before we get into the everything Renee. else that happened. Renee Dreyfus. Okay. He's kind of, I think, become a personal favorite ahead of this group. Maybe the not as successful one, but he'll be important for a story oh, okay. we want to tell later. Okay. He is from Nice, France. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Thanks. He's kind of Jewish. Kind of Jewish. Yeah, and the, he had the last name and one of his parents was Jewish, but he himself kind of had a fluid relationship with that Yeah, even like, though... I feel French, but I also have that Jewish heritage. Yeah, he was also, like, I think, like, half Catholic. Uh, okay, able, so he was a lot of things, but obviously as 1930s kind of anti-Semitism started to roll in. They were like, you're Jewish. And yeah, like, it kind I of got very made complete. for him what that choice was. And he was like, I don't like this choice. I need to get out of this choice. I yeah. need to get out of this country. Yeah, and so he drove for Bugatti Maserati oh, okay. who he had, I think he has a, seems to have a very fun relationship with the Maserati brothers and like he joined them and they're kind of still kind of smaller there were like five or so brothers five was it five or four somewhere in there Somewhere there. There were a lot of them. They, they were, were Italian. Enough that you probably were like, they keep on popping up They're in this garage. Spawning. It's like a video Everyone. game where they just spawn different places. You yeah. take one out, another and one pops like up. And I think never grew worse with them where he, they actually were some of the first to let him actually like know how the car worked. Oh. Yeah, like they actually wanted him to like understand and like he could ask like questions and they would actually answer them. And they seem like they both sides loved each other. Oh. Like they had a great time together. They invited him to like dinners with them. Aww. He was one of the family until eventually he kind of kept on having cars that crashed and Ooh. he was came to them kind of and he was like, I love you. I love you dearly. I love you dearly, but I think you're going to kill me someday. <laughs> and I think I should go. And they were kind of like, yeah, like we love you too. You need to leave because we probably are going to kill you with our car someday. It's like, and we, we, but we would have a great shrine for oh, you. Oh, beautiful shrine in the garage. We've already thought it We out. name a car after you. You get a shrine. It would be beautiful. Are you sure you don't want to die like, actually? Can you rethink that thought? And then come back to us, and we'll have a we'll have a car that can suit that problem right now. <laughs> um, and then they also drove for Ferrari um, oh. alongside Louis, actually. Louis, and I believe um, I'm not was it Louis or Tazio? I believe it was Tazio. Actually, he drove alongside at Ferrari okay. under Enzo, and then um, also drove at the French manufacturer De La Haye. De la Haye. <laughs> you guys don't know how long we spent trying to figure out how to pronounce that. It and then came to that same exact joke, sharing our one brain cell. Yes. There is only one brain cell between us. And together we are very powerful. Yeah. Apart. Chaos. <laughs> chaos. Sometimes together also chaos. Yeah. But back to Renee and his brain. Okay. Chaos. Rene. Um, he had early successes and hindered his career. But then it was later kind of hindered by the rise of nationalism. And, and Nazism. And fascism. But a fun note from his early days, oh. his brother used to drive with him Aww. as his mechanic. You say, aw, really it's because he thought he was stupid and was going to kill himself. So he was like, if I'm going to make sure to be here to not have you die in a horrible accident, so I'm going to be here. Yeah. But we're going to 
talk about him, people he liked, people he did not like later. Oh, okay, he's a yeah. We're gonna man. flesh out more of our cast. His character. character. These oh, are the main. This the is main hits. menu screen before but, you go into the game. Yeah, but you've actually given me the perfect segue in talking about mechanics. And then oh. 1925, they actually banned the use of mechanics in the car. Too many mechanics pretty much were dying. And in 1924, I think believe a San Sebastian um, GP crash was kind of the last straw for them. They were like, we have Which too many dead bodies. funny about that race. The mechanic that died and it was actually the fill-in mechanic because the mechanic who was supposed to race that driver got injured in another accident. Oh, so And in 1925, they said we're done fate was not good to that Yield man Fia said i don't trust you anymore Yield, well, we but you trust still need you a either. two-seater even though you can't put some on the other seat because yield via rule you need place for the snacks yeah you need a place to put the extra gas can if you wanted it so you, so you can explode yeah Go actually that's place. what renee had at one point he was like put the second gas he woke up in the middle of the night woke up his team principal and woke up his mechanic and said i believe we should put a second thing of fuel in the front seat so like i don't have to come in for refueling and they were like renee you can die however you want it's really up to you <laughs> they were like choose your own adventure but but this one's probably pretty bad and actually though it did end up being successful because then he could siphon the gas into the car and not have to refuel but you could just was, go straight but forward. he'd be dancing with the devil he was dancing with the devil um but also in 1925 we also saw the rise of the constructors championship oh. because since about like 1923 there had been interest in having some kind of like very organized kind of racing championship because okay. this was the same time where other kind of sports were becoming world championships such like tennis oh. chess oh. i bet even probably motorcycles so they seem to take a lot of cues from motorcycle racing <laughs> those crazy boys on the cycle yeah they see MotoGP and they go, how do I get that? How do I get that level of chaos and death in my life? Yeah. And so anyway, the 1920s Constructors Championship was meant to go on for about five years, they planned. So through 1930. Mm. Um, And it had a lot of actually roots in the Gordon Bennett Cup that we talked about last week. Gordon Bennett. Except... Was it named the Gordon Bennett Cup? It was not named the Gordon Bennett Cup. It had its own name. But in this one, France pretty much wanted to have an advantage to win something. And that also so like was last rooted time. in the formation of So the, like last time they were like, we France always want to have pretty much came, like, came back to the international table of racing and said, I have it this time. I figured it out I how fig- I'm going to win this. And everybody goes, you sure you figured it out? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, so here's I got how it. they laid it out. Okay. There were going to be four races. And it was going to be best of three. Oh. Manufacturers in this race were the one who would be getting the points. Okay. There was no driver's championship oh, no, at the time. Oh, okay. It was so just it was manufacturing, like, even though there was an interest on both sides so for more this like, type of... It's like more industry was more important. Yeah. Like the a country's industry was... They were trying to like rebuild it via... Yeah, and also show too. Like, they're really good. So of these best of four, we would have something like the Indy 500, which in this time is actually still part of the European Championship. Oh, okay. Um, we would have like a Euro GP, a French GP, and maybe like an Italian GP. Okay, so they're yeah. like mix and choosing. Yeah, and they let Italy organize this. They said, Italy, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Except it was Italy. And they said, you have 100,000 monies. Do you know how many of those monies they spell on the trophy? How many monies do they spell on the trophy? 30,000. There was a championship. Was Apparently, it was, was it a nice trophy? Apparently, it was nice. And then the other 70,000 were for the races. Oh. <laughs> were for the winnings. 
<laughs> so that's how they chose to run this. Oh, chaos. Yeah. And so in 1926, they set up the regulation that they would be using 1.5 liter engines. And this was largely a mistake. Because manufacturers kind of lost interest after this point. Like, they started off really interested and, like, came up. And then they were like, we need more rules. And they they were like, no. Yeah, because pretty much at that time, manufacturers were looking for bigger and bigger engines that they would be able to put in their normal cars. Because, once again, there's kind of that development of the race car technology into the... Man, like manufactured like, like production the actual production car where they're like we're gonna test it out on yeah. a track and then we're gonna put it in a car yeah and, and at this time there was really kind of no point for manufacturers to be developing the smaller engine because it's like where would i put it it's just yeah. a waste of money and in this time they apparently were like maybe i should consider money um, nowadays they're like making it rain let's do this yeah and this time also too we kind of saw the introduction of flag board flags and boards into racing oh, with okay. um mercedes's alfred newbar Oh, they were yeah, like, we got a plan. We got to let the drivers know. Yeah, because in an earlier race, pretty much Rudy had been running and didn't know he had won a race until the very end. And Alfred was like, I think there's a better way to so do Rudy this. Kept on going. Rudy was like, Rudy Forrest would Gump. have just like been in the next town over oh. if no one had stopped him. Oh, poor Rudy. Yeah. And then afterwards, it kind of just started to be disappointing season after disappointing season. Like in 1927, just more manufacturers start to drop off. Um, and then by 28, 29 season, there's like significant lack of interest and they have to start changing some races into sports car races to get independence to even show up because like there's no audience there's no cars and really they're just kind of embarrassed by this point that like they can't even get this to go on and by the time they get to like 28 29 they're like you know what formula libra's back Formula Libra is kind of their band-aid to a lot of racing problems. So they're like, no regulations. They're like, too much regulations? Just like, let it bleed out. Yeah. And then by that point, when you start adding kind of either sports car races or Formula Libra, the races couldn't be counted anymore as part of the championship. So they only got about three official championships in before it just kind of just like disintegrated people kind of stopped going yeah because one of because so many events got canceled or turned into other things at one point they only had like one official gp held in the year oh. where to meet these regulations and in that race was pretty much one team was racing itself yeah it's kind of like the opposite nowadays where a lot of people are like focused on there's so many regulations and you have to be satisfied with it you can't not do it mm-hmm. back then it seemed like the wild west where like you could do it or you can start your own thing mm-hmm. yeah it was all like a fluid kind of situation but within this time period too though this is where we kind of start seeing as i talked a little bit earlier mussolini and people like that kind of getting interested um in racing were pretty much he wanted italian prominence to be in racing so he created he kind of called for events such as like the mila Megilla to be brought in which is like an open road in italy where it's kind of like if we can have a good italian race italian car drivers will win at this race in italian cars because we've made ourselves italian race italian car italian everything pretty much the what the french have been trying to do like if i make a race i will do good at but (laughs) only really thing noticeable from 929 is we got the first monaco gp which was won by william grover william william grover william who kind of seems like he just pops in and out of gp history He's like, he's like, I'm here. I'm not. I'm yeah, here. I'm not. Like I'm my really, two last name, two first name last Yeah, names. you can't miss him. William Grover William. Where's mm-hmm. William Grover William? That's not his name. That is his name. And they're like, oh, how do we write that on the sheet? And then by the 1930 season, we've had the Wall Street crash. Uh, we and we're starting depression. to feel the after effects. Oh, the Great Depression. Something I assume with economics, you've heard lots it's, about. It was fun. Um, and not so, fun, the actual thing. But learning about it was very interesting. 
Um, and so then we pretty much see more kind of like manufacturers starting to suffer, people like Mercedes and other ones, um, and then more sports car racing. So oh, that's what people okay. had to use. Because the rules were kind of thrown out. You get to do what you want. Yeah. And then in an act to kind of try and breathe more life into European racing, they created actually the European Automotive Championship, which was the first driver's championship for GP racing. Oh, They were like, okay. the drivers maybe will show up if we give them attention. If they have incentive to win money and the glory of the arena, they might show up because they're egotistical. And they then. were right. Oh, they are. You can always tell So in 1931, they kind of start three auto cubs kind of paid into a fund and each would hold a GP. Um, so three races and they'll be held for, wait for this, 10 hours each. I don't know what the logic was for the 10 hour. But anyway, they were given two drivers, one car, freedom for anything technical. Freedom for chaos. Freedom for chaos. And as you would expect from 10 hours, it was not really that beloved by drivers were and they audiences. Like people falling asleep behind the wheel. They were like, <laughs> didn't sign up for an endurance race. <laughs> we were like, we wanted to go fast, not long. Yeah. And so in the 19... 19- 1932, they say five-hour race. Are you okay. happy now? And they happy? went, not really. It's to the point that by 1933, we were back at Formula Libra. <laughs> the Band-Aid. Formula Libra come back in. She's like, no rules. No She'll rules. fix everything She'll fix you. everything by not fixing anything. Exactly. It's perfect. Yeah. So pretty much in this time, teams are still recovering, which it kind of explained about we're back yeah. to, you know, regulations. Mercedes is actually still not really running as an official team. They're running some private cars, but nothing oh. um, as organized as before. Oh. And Alpha is actually restructuring kind of into their Enzo, Enzo fully like Ferrari. run team. Enzo's like, we got to go fast and I have a plan. Yeah. And then this is also within it where the Monaco GP for the first time is decided by quality time. Oh, It's not just luck of the draw. They're actually like, maybe we should like time them when they go around and then that'll be their race start. And they were like, mind blown. Yeah. Mind blown. And then as well, we get the birth of Scudera CC in this year, oh, which, as I Louis mentioned Louis. earlier, doesn't end well for them. And then we also have three fatalities at Monza. That will not surprise at Monza, but... Yeah, we pretty much have two Italian drivers. Um, one of them was an opera singer and a driver. That's an interesting... Yeah, both interesting and apparently, one. like, at the race before, was like, I think I'm done with racing. I'm going to just do the other thing now. And then died at Monza. Another guy died at... Another Italian died at Monza. And it's then like, there's a little bit of protest. People oh. are like... Too many people dying? Is it cursed? You know, as you have to ask Ask, at a track, is is it it cursed? cursed? And the answer is always yes. Probably. But we're going to keep on driving. And they said, we're going to go on with it. Until then, they also get a third fatality from um, Count um, Stanislavski, who car burst into flames and was buried with his charred wheel. That's some, like, metal shit right there. Yeah, someone that's like, they're like, yeah, that's how you go. That's how you go. You just bury. He's also friends with um, Renee. As we talked about earlier, oh. and that kind of affected him afterwards. Poor they Renee. think to the point where people are like, "Is he the same driver? Is he the same man?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yes, but I'm just I'm a little just, bit traumatized. I'm just sadder now. I'm just sadder." Until we get, and that's how we lead up into 1934, 1934. where we're like, "Yield Fia with CSI is like new formulas needed to I fix things." Like they have like a opening sequence they're back to back yulfia and csi they're like we're gonna solve those cases dun, 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 and everything you could say that rev driving is starting to rev up oh ooh, i like that pun thank you um and so pretty much organizers for the i believe like 1935 1936 37 i believe even at the top end of it spectrum we're kind of starting to go we want more speed limits and they start to stipulate that max weight will be 750 um kgs okay without fuel driver oil water 
They're like bare bones, no engine. You could choose to weigh it without an engine, your choice. Yeah, and it was pretty much their concept was that the more powerful the engine, the more the chassis and the other parts of the car would need to be heavier to literally hold the car to the track. So it wouldn't fly off like an airplane? Yeah. And everybody wouldn't die? We're like, we're building cars, not airplanes. We need to figure this out. Yeah, and Mercedes goes, are we though? Because oh, in reality, like Mercedes pretty much rolled back around. She she did it come back to her? Yeah, she came to the door and did a little twirl going, I'm back. And pretty much... The Nazi. <laughs> yeah. Um, and pretty much came back being like, oh, so you're telling me with the weights requirement that the engine can be whatever I want to be. And I'll just make a lighter car to offset everything. Oh. And Theo was like, no, don't, don't. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, no, no. That's I not it. what we meant. And they're like, too late. <laughs> too late we did. Yeah. And at this time, we also see Mercedes returning to formula racing at this time because of, two the Nazi government, where Hitler pretty much in his rise to power was like, oh, like, I'm really interested in motorsporting. I'm really interested in Mercedes. And the recently created auto union, which as part of the fallout of the depression and car industry slump, four manufacturers in Germany formed together, one of which is like Yield Audi. Oh, Yield Audi. And they formed together to create Auto Union, where oh, it got the four, okay. four little rings. Oh, I didn't and apparently know that. that's where the four rings come from. We learn something new every day. <laughs> And so pretty back to back to where we were. Yeah. Um, yeah, he pretty much offered funding to build a winning GP car because it would be great propaganda. Like it's because nice. it's both kind of like the intersection of leisure entertainment, but also kind of technology power that would look really cool. Would look cool if you could do it. Um, it's kind of similar to how Mussolini was kind of state subsidizing Alfa Romeo in this time period. So it wasn't necessarily an uncommon tactic to take. Whereas like to build your team yeah. to assist in like nationalistic rhetoric. Yeah. And too, as kind of like um, Germany started to kind of ramp up kind of this militarization, there was also kind uh, of a side okay. payoff that if Mercedes or Auto Union was successful, they would have that greater chance to get that contract to no, build uh, like the airplane, the car engines that would everyone kind of assumed was coming later. So it was kind of like a... It's like a, a build com- up. A little complicated game was happening. They were playing a dance and that dance was fascism. Yeah. And at this time, Mercedes kind of guessed that they needed like in modern money, like $7.75 million to win. That's... A GP. 7.75? They're, like, they're like, hands down, we would win a race if we had this much money. We were efficient with that budget then. Um, <laughs> and pretty much though, it ended up being made. It got nowhere near that amount of money. But when the government's giving you money to build a winning car, you kind of have to make it work. Well, when Hitler's giving you money yeah. to build a winning car. You have like, to make it work. You gotta make it work. And they kind of did. Okay. Um, Mercedes, Mercedes created, in the end, a 3.3 liter supercharged engine with a horsepower that actually was 50 times greater than the Alpha at the time, which was actually a pretty good running car. But Germany was like, we're going to make it faster. Yeah. And it pretty much had the works as well as Mercedes figuring out like the perfect pit stop. And then Auto Union at the time created the Porsche wagon, also called the P-Wagon, I named after Ferdinand Porsche who left Mercedes to go to Auto Union in this time period. And he was making his P-Wagon. Yep. And it had a V16 engine in the back of the car, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're starting to kind of play around with where we put Where do engines. we want our engine? Yeah, and pretty much in the end, both were very modern and very fast. We get the birth of the Silver Arrows, actually, oh. in this time period. Because the story kind of went that, oh, they didn't meet the weight requirements, so they had to take off some of the paint, and that's why they're silver. But that was later probably found to maybe not actually be accurate and more of a finely spun yarn by Alfred Newbar. They were like, we're going to make this great. 
Yeah, in reality, it was probably a stylistic they choice like, we because just it like the cool. color. It looks cool when it goes fast. Yeah, and then to kind of round off that year, Mercedes and the Germ and Auto Union had very strong showings. Italy's cars were still running very well um, under Ferrari and other manufacturers. And France is kind of starting to drop off in this game. She, the Bugatti was strong in kind of the 20s, I believe, and then they all kind of started to slump. Yeah, I feel like that's most of France's manufacturing racing yeah. history, where they go between like extreme dominance to where did she go? Is she okay? Yeah, well, it kind of seems like as another country's stock rises, someone yeah. else's has to dip to make yeah. that space. And kind of by 1935, um, the French GP actually started to undergo changes to slow down the German cars. They started adding chicanes. <laughs> they were they're like trying to rule. game the system. They were trying to and put still, rules in place. No French winners or cars in that Aww, race. So the point by 1960, they actually didn't allow Formula cars to come to the race so that Germany couldn't come to the race. Oh, they were pretty much like everybody but Germany got an invite to my birthday party. Except for me. Yep, it was a sports car only race. That was the only. kind of games they were playing. They were like, we're playing mental mind games to win. Yeah, but before we jump too far into 1936, though, we need to talk about the German GP of 1935. Oh, okay. Because it was a very wild time. Like anything with the Germans in 1930 seems like a wild time. Yeah, and so pretty much with this race, um, the German teams were heavily favored. I mean, we're in Germany. Really? They're feeling real good about themselves. She's feeling great. She's feeling confident. Um, a lot of Nazi officials, a big German crowd showed up to see a German car win on either side. They were like, we they're like, Auto Union Mercedes, I don't care as long as the German flag is on it. But we have our man Tazio show up. Oh, Tazio. Yep. He's riding with Alpha. He's in his P3, Ooh. which was actually a pretty successful car in this time. And no, but still no one really expected anybody but a German to pull a win out of the bag for this they one. Really, it was kind of, it almost felt pre-decided in some ways. Like they were going to pull something to do this. Yeah, but they didn't expect Italian chaos. Italian, they didn't expect a lot of Italian chaos through their 1930s and 40s. And he pretty much, from what I, to skim down the account of the oh, race, okay. drove like a crazy person. Well, this is didn't the, use brakes. He didn't was believe just, in brakes. You did tell me in his character profile he was a man that said brakes are not an option for me. Well, they you know, don't exist. Schrodinger's brakes. Can the brakes fail me if I don't use them? <laughs> he was like, I'll take option. Don't use brakes. Yeah, they can't hurt me if I don't use them. I don't see them. I can't use and them. Within this race, pretty much the Germans were so confident they one of their victories. They actually had trouble finding the Italian flag in the end oh. or the Italian national anthem to play. Oh. But don't worry, Tazio brought his own recording of it as a little bit of a good luck charm. Did he bring the flag, though? I believe they, they found the a flag. They found it so There was a flag was found somewhere at the German race. And it was actually kind of funny in the account that pretty much there were like Nazi officials who were like ripping up speeches going, everything is ruined. And the crowd was actually a little bit stunned. But then apparently kind of their love of sport came out and they were like cheering because they were like, this it's not the one where I wanted, but it was a good race. It was a fun race. I had a fun time. Yeah. And within this time as kind of, I guess, seen in Nazi officials ripping up speeches, we see this escalation of nationalism as well in the Italian GP of the same year where at one point where Rene Dreyfus, who's riding at Ferrari with Tazio, pretty much gets asked at one point in the race to switch cars, which was actually allowed in this time. You just needed the car just needed to be entered in a race for it to count. Um, and he was asked to switch cars with Tazio while Tazio's car had broken. In the German race? German no, in the Italian GP. Oh, okay. Italian GP. Yeah, because he was asked to kind of switch places because they kind of told him an Italian audience wants to see an Italian winner. And we want to make that happen and for them. And it's 1930s. Italy. Italy. Yeah. 
And so in by the end of the season, actually, he got told to leave Ferrari, kind of. They were like, go home to France and find a French team to race for because this is kind of how things are starting. Things are starting to head. Yeah, and by 1936, he was actually off the grid and um, kind of working as team management. Okay. Yeah, and then also within the same time, we see Chiron um, rejoin, or not rejoin, join for the first time Mercedes alongside Rudy, but they kind of made a special exception for him because he was such a good driver. He also apparently had a falling out at his past name. Is it because he took Bebe? Yeah, Bebe was involved, I believe. Oh, Bebe. And then um, Tazio stayed at Ferrari, which, as I said, are some kind of differing accounts of how that <laughs> shakes out. Yeah. yeah, and then within this as well, we kind of reach the point in politics as well on a greater scale where kind of Italy and Germany are being pushed further and further together through kind of their independent and joint actions. Where kind of if you get sanctioned by everybody else and one person doesn't sanction you, you're like... Did I just become best friends? Also, they were like, oh, you're doing the Nazi thing too? Yeah, I'm doing that fascism thing. Do you want to become friends? Yeah, well, let's be, do, let's be tight with this. That always and this well. also, though, came through in their racing as well, where at Auto Union, I believe at that point, they had um, one German driver and one Italian driver. Um, and at the German race, they were pretty much like, well, the Germans will win at the German race and the Italian win at the Italian race because that's just what the people want to see. But it's also like yeah. unfair. Like it's no longer racing. It's like propaganda used to bolster one mm-hmm. nation. It's I like, mean, I guess you could argue that it's racing and like to try and get the outcome you want is always a hard to accomplish thing because racing is chaos. But And also drivers will do what drivers want to do. Yeah. But I mean, but even within this time period, though, there were people who were like, I don't like what I'm seeing happening. Like that isn't sporting. Yeah. And actually within this one of the, I believe it was the Italian driver was kind of furious. He was like, I want to What drive. are you asking me? Yeah. to do like spell it out because i'm kind of angry mm-hmm. yeah and then by the time we kind of get to the 1936 season it's kind of like things aren't working out here like things, mercedes and how you are getting faster and faster they're dominating like they yeah. always do and so they pretty much were like how are we gonna stop this who is going how are we gonna stop this the french yeah well Yofia. Yofia said how am i gonna stop this and so they said what if there's a sliding scale for weight to go with oh. different types of engines so they were like let's introduce like an engine class pretty much yeah and so they said if you have an unsupercharger an aspirated engine which is more of like the normal kind of engine in this time period you will get a 4.5 liter allowance and a minimum weight of 800 kg but if you have a supercharged engine which mercedes and auto union were running you would get three liters and had to be a minimum weight of 850 but fuel was free choice and if you look at some of the fuels they created like i'm not the best at chemistry we we were together yeah we sat together in class and i think worried our teacher yeah we said words and she was like oh no 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 Mm-hmm. But even I know that some of those things together sound wild. What was in there? They were like ether, a bunch of other stuff. E- they were like, let's put ether in there and go yeah, for the Yeah, and actually there were accounts that people who were like behind the cars and were breathing in kind of these fumes, spectators and our drivers like did felt physically unwell. Was so, that like their mass Mercedes master strategy? Just kill everybody off everybody sick. sick. Yeah, but this actually was in some ways they thought it would help considering that the time Mercedes was running like a 4.7 liter and Audi was running a 6 liter engine. They thought it would help. But people were kind of already cynical about this being on Stop Jeremy. They're like, they're just going to get better. They're going to get faster. They're yeah. going to get better. But this seems to kind of one of those turning points where it's kind of like the car is, I believe a contemporary of the period said like the car is no longer the automobile in this race. And I think you see that within some of the pictures. Um, actually, on the Mercedes archival website, I was looking at some of the old pictures of this car, and I think you really can see kind of like the early 30s. It still kind of looks like a road car. It's still kind of got the grate in the okay. front. And by the time you get up to like 
you, you're like, that's a race car. You're that's, like, that's everything about legal. it is for racing. That's not road legal. Oh, no, yeah, I don't think so. But yeah, but France, France is like, I will not be yet defeated. I will not be defeated. I have to win. I will figure out. Yeah, way. France is like laying on the floor and they're She's just like, crying. I will win. Yeah, I will win. I can win. do this. I can do this. And so, like, yeah, get up, France. She's like, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But I will win. Know that I ha- I'm, a, I'm a bitch for a comeback. Mm-hmm. I love a comeback tour. Yeah. And so France, in an effort to kind of pull itself out of this auto pit of hell i would say decided to organize a contest oh she does love a contest yes they're like what if you had to compete for my affections she does love competition for her love so pretty much they decided to raise funds for french manufacturers to be able to give winning cars okay so pretty much if you showed them like your car that you think can win a gp they would give you additional funding for development and stuff like that or probably maybe help you recoup the cost more like crowdfunding yes and so for the their first idea was we'll sell pins so they were like etsy yeah they they opened an etsy shop yeah that was plan one (laughs) etsy plan one was etsy and then plan two was that they're gonna put a tax on licenses i believe it was like 10 francs per license yeah plan two makes sense plan two you can get money out of etsy shop depending on what etsy shop and they then decided we're going to have a million franc fund because they liked how that sounded they were like they liked the alliteration they were like million franc fund oh yes they're they went. They were at a meeting, and they were like, "That's brilliant. We're gonna break for yeah, lunch. Put that on. Put that on. We're gonna go get some wine. We're gonna ruminate on what we just did, which was brilliant. Yeah, and it was actually five minutes into a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and so it took them actually a little bit to collect this money. Yeah. But by 1937, they had the money that they wanted, and actually a little bit extra enough oh. that they could hold two contests. <gasps> so they got two contest deals. Yes, to reclaim French standing in international racing. Oh, bum bum bum. And so the first class was pretty much giving money to Bugatti. They were like, they were the only people that could fit the regulations that they had set up. Oh, so they were like, we just there was no contest. They we just, just created a sham. We created not their a first sham time. race. Not their first time. They were like, we don't have Bugatti. It's really you. It's really you. We're we want to give you money. We just want the appeal of a contest to get the money and make it seem like someone could win, but we're yeah. giving it But I mean, pretty much everybody knew. I mean, at one point, um, Tony, Tony Lago. Who's Tony Lago? Tony Lago was an Italian man. Who at point, oh, I thought he was a 1980s drug dealer. In Miami. Miami. Wearing a little white suit. White suit, white jack, white jacket, white pants, white everything. No, surprisingly not. He was a um he was involved in auto racing in like the nineteen thirties, obviously. Okay. And he originally was in Italy. I think he had some political issues there. <laughs> and went to France and okay. actually at one point co owned um Talbert. Oh okay. yeah, so it became um Tal- Talbert Lago. Talbert. And he current quota is just being like just end the sham and give BI the Mayuri. Stop wasting our time. I need I have like a lunch break yeah. to go he was to. Also I the one to do. whose team um, at the time, Renee was working on. Oh, Renee! Yeah, he was Renee's working back. under him. Um, and then our second one was more open to different types of manufacturers. And this was actually the one where you get the million prize. The other oh. one was a different amount that was a little bit less. Oh, so the Bugatti one was less. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the, the other one's actually a proper million. Oh, okay. um, and pretty much it broke down into that they would go to a certain track and you would be testing the reliability of the car over a certain amount of laps. I think it might have been 10, 10 oh, or 15. Okay. And then each lap had to kind of be under a certain amount for you to kind of set like the fastest, most reliable. So it's like if you get the million francs, there is actually a subcategory of a contest you have to come into. Yes. This is like it Pokemon. Be, it had to be done by a certain date. Oh, this is like a video game. It's like Pokemon. You got to go through all the leagues before you can get it. Yeah. And so for our people who have showed up to this contest, we still have Bugatti. Bugatti has decided that they would like both prizes in this time. 
there's outstru- they're stretching their like desire. They're like, we want everything actually. We want everything here. And they're racing with Jean-Pierre Vimet, who, as I don't believe I mentioned him earlier, but he no, is one of Rene Dreyfus's kind of nemesis. Oh, so Rene has a nemesis. Yeah, and it's French. Of course. It they- helps when your nemesis is of the same the nationality. Same nationality as you. Okay. That's a little spice. A little spice added to the list. You really understand their rationale. And he him and Renee had a couple run-ins earlier. And by this time they're kind of fed up with each other. Oh, they're or at least Renee has been fed up with Jean-Pierre. And Jean-Pierre is like, I just, I have a friend. His name's Renee. And Renee's like, I'm not your fucking friend. I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I don't care if we were in the hospital together at the same time. We're not friends. friends. No. And then we also are pretty much Talbert Lago wasn't really as much of a threat as they initially said they were. And they kind of drop out earlier on and all Tony of Tony Lago kind of. Tony his- Lago said we're not ready. After. And everybody kind of went, oh, okay. okay. And then we also have the addition of Delahaye. Delahaye. Yes. With Renee, who's back mm. on track. Renee's back on track. And Lucy Shell. Lucy? Yes, you heard that right. That is a woman's name. <gasps> Do you think it's time for a Lucy interlude? Would you yes. like to know more want, about this I woman? Not, I want some backstory on Lucy. I can give you that. Thank you. She was an heiress. <gasps> heiress. She was a driver. Oh. And she also led a team. She led a team. She was a te- team principal? Yeah, team principal, team owner. Oh. She was like a CEO, I think, and the runner. She was like... She was doing it all. Double hitter. Mm-hmm. Or is it double decker? I don't know what the... <laughs> she was especially known for driving in the Monte Carlo rally with her husband, oh. um, who was pretty much kind of her opposite in every way. Oh, he was... Yeah, I mean, they were both like French Americans, but she was very small and kind of spirited. She kind of got it. I think they she say she got it from her um, Irish father who kind of made their millions in America. Well, more than millions, probably. And Laura's more of like a diplomat son who was living in France. And they also did hill climbs. What's hill climb? Um, from what I understand, it seems to be kind of like you go on kind of a more of a mountain road and oh, drive up there. And okay. That's kind like of like the when you go on Monaco and everything with like their steep climbs. Yeah. Yeah. And most of the time, though, her co-driver was her husband in these Aww. kind of different exploits. Yeah. And she actually really was pushing kind of the boundary of what women could do in the 20s and the 30s. Because um, she was also a mother at the same time and didn't really kind of let that interfere. Yeah. With what she was doing. She was like, have the nanny take care of them. Yeah, she's like, my kids love watching you race. It's fine. fine. The nanny's with them. They'll be fine. And kind of being a woman in sports, as we kind of talked about, wasn't like not common, but also wasn't like not not common. Just to throw in plenty of double negatives into this. There were a couple other women that kind of we see pop up. Camille Dugast with the earlier racing that you talked about last time, as well as Elizabeth Junek, who was from Czechoslovakia. And she was kind of known for kind of inventing the track walk. Like she would show up like a week or more before a race, test it out, set little markers, take very good notes. She was like had her little notebook. Yeah. She drove a a Bugatti. (gasps) She was well known. So of course a woman is actually the one who invented the idea of a track Mm -hmm. walk. Yeah. And she permitted racing up until um, her husband, who normally drove with her, died in an accident. And after that, she was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. She's like, I've been severely traumatized. I'm going to go look for something else. Yeah. We also have Maria Avanzo, who we were just... Actually, she was one of my last additions to this because I feel like I'm always finding new females and everything. Yeah, and I feel like she had to make it in. Um, She was in Italy. Yes, and she at one point accused Ferrari of stealing her carburetor. She's the first in a long line of people who I think have accused Ferrari of things. It's like there's a list and she she was on there. She was like, yeah. he stole she my 
decorator so, in Florida was like, I stole nothing. I borrowed. I borrowed and just kept it permanently. Yeah. And she also at one point drove into the sea to cool down her um, overheating engine. That's some like gangster shit right there. Mm-hmm. She also was still driving up through her 70s. And you know what she liked to say? What did she like to say? I bought the whole speedometer and I'm going to use it. She was like, we go fast, we go fast. We live and die by the sword. Exactly. (laughs) And so back to Lucy. Lucy! So she had started to have some setbacks around like the 30s for her own driving um, with kind of, I think, one disastrous hill climb. And afterwards, she started being like, maybe I'm ready for management. She's like, I have the suit for it. I have have the the outfit. I have everything ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so first she kind of goes into a sports car team that she creates. I think it's called like the Blue Buds or something like that. And later it's like, you know what? I'm ready for a GP team. She's like, I can do this. I think I'm ready for Grand Prix racing. And so um, in 1936, she goes to Delahaye um, pretty much for a car for to start building her cars because she's like Talbert's over it's now the age of Delahaye and I guess she could just announce those kind of things because she was a- she would like wake up in the morning tell it to the people in the city being like Talbot's over it's the age of Delahaye yeah meanwhile Tony's like wait a minute can we talk about this can we actually talk about it? that actually hurt my feelings she, that's actually like, hurt, I'm no, already, she's already done the street. I'm already done I've already started new branding for everything yeah and so she kind of starts to create a partnership with Delahaye similar to kind of Alpha and Ferrari where like they buy the cars and it, and the other one runs it and kind of starts to pay some of the fees. Mm-hmm. But with her, she's like, I will pay for everything. Just make me a car that works. Because when she first go, comes to the factory, she pretty much tells them what she wants. And they go, ma'am, I don't know if that's something we can make. Because at this time, um, Dilhe had really been producing reliable, kind of your grandfather's truck. Oh, That like, was their reputation. They're like, we will actually go. These cars are not meant to go fast. Yeah. And they kind of start with slumping business to be like, well, we need to change some things. They like, need we to need to... We need to kind of come into the modern world to get younger drivers or yeah. at least people would pay more money. We need people to actually know who we yeah. are. And so one guy there had been like, well, what if we started making like faster cars? And this was kind of the full extent of that where originally they'd been like sports cars and she was like, make me a GP car. And they had a younger guy there that went... I think I can, I can do, do that. It. I can do that. And eventually she kind of wore them down because they started, they pretty much put her on a wait list. And she was like, I And she saw other list. cars and she was like, well, why isn't that my car? And they're like, well, you bought it before you. And she's like, what if I bought 12 cars? And then when I get to the top of the list and they were like, eventually after time, they started being like, we kind of respect this woman's tenacity. She comes in. She's like, knock, knock, knock. Where's my car? Yeah. I'll just buy 12 of them and force you to put it on top. Mm-hmm. And eventually they go, okay, Lucy we're in after she said i'll pay for everything and they were like so if we win we just get free advertising and if we lose like it's It's on you yeah they're like we love Um, this deal so they form creative blue Mm -hmm. which is pretty much team blue and their mascot were english bulldogs oh because she liked them and when you buy a team i guess you just do what you want you do what you want and you can do what you want exactly and kind of their goal was to return france to prestige um especially in such chaotic times an english bulldog as their mascot exactly it's just like you know like in james bond with m where has like the bulldog on the desk yeah it's like that's her she yeah, has her little judy desk dench. and her little judy dench with a team a gp team <laughs> Yeah, and some think that maybe some of her motivation in this was kind of ruled by the fact that during World War One, she kind of served as a nurse in France at like hospitals. And maybe at that point, kind of started to be like, I don't want to see my kind of adopted country hurt like this. Yeah. And in this time, maybe it was like an extension of like, I'm scared and like, I want to see. Germany's going crazy. I want to give France something like I want to see them yeah. happy. Yeah, and Germany's doing some stuff that she's like, yeah, and she's like, I'm not sure I like Germans after like I had to like try and fix up some people from the front in like 19 whatever. 
19 whatever 19 whatever you are do you know it Nin- have you heard of it i've heard of the have you heard <laughs> of the great war <laughs> the great war <laughs> um so by 1937 um we see this newly formed team pretty much fighting to get this prize with renee renee's she pretty much brought renee to her house and said renee i need you this is your moment and he's like and he was I like, had a moment he's like i'm i'm kind of like i have a job i have a job again, team and i get to drive no he had to- he had a job at talbert and he's oh, like okay. i don't know if i should leave like i'm in kind of management and that's kind of steady and like with how things are going in this world like maybe i should just be happy that like someone's employing me and she was just like renee renee we're listen. both outsiders listen to me look and listen i got a fast car and i need you and i need you and then eventually he went okay so okay. cue the Rocky montage. Da, 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 yeah, da, da, exactly. Da. Renee and Lori are driving in um, rally races Ooh. to train up. They're like they sent fast. Renee to Norway to start a rally. They sent a man from Nice to Norway. How did he like that? You know, they had some struggles, but he ended up having the time of his life. <laughs> the Norwegians, he was like, oh, those Norwegians. Yeah, they drive from Norway to Monaco. He was like, I, I probably closer to the warm weather. He was like, I'm really liking this race, actually. Yeah, they had the time of their lives together. And then Reggie starts entering, is it Voiturettes? Voiturettes, I think. Yeah, which Lil. was like, um, kind of started to be the GP2 oh. of this era. Like they were littler cars engine. that they kind of let join bigger races to help kind of pad them out and stuff like that. So he's kind of starting to get more f- back into the swing of being in racing. He was like, and he had to queue. He had to get up. He was like, yes. I've been sitting behind just a desk. Picture him just like lifting weights, right? Right now at Delahaye, just someone's just like hitting metal things, drawing mm-hmm. pictures of engines, throwing them out. Lucy's yelling. Lucy's, Lucy's making like, it rain, rain with like money, yelling at people, going, "You can do this. I believe, believe in you. you." She's like, "That's wrong, but you gotta tra- and you should do that again. That mm-hmm. car's not good. What are we doing? Yeah, we gotta win." And pretty much, they eventually build a car. It's noted as being terribly not good looking, but she wasn't a looker. She wasn't a looker, but she could go. She could go. They brought her to the track to start kind of doing the prize. Oh. They were like, we're going to test her out. They actually didn't tell any press because they were like, this is an unmitigated failure. I don't want. I don't need pictures of it the next day. Yeah, I don't want to be reminded of this. So they start doing it. And they're like, oh, I think we're fast. We're fast now. And Renee keeps on doing his training, keeps on saying, I'm not ready. He's like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm not ready. ready. And they were like, you're right. This is, you're only ever going to get so ready He's like, no, your no, whole no, no, life. No, no, no. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. You're, yeah. Until eventually one day he stops doing it. And they're like, Renee, I think you're ready. And he's like, I don't think I am. And he goes back to his hotel with his wife, Shushu, at the time. Shushu. Mm-hmm. <gasps> That's the name. And so she gets a call on the phone when they're in the room, talks. Renee was like, who was that? And she was like, don't worry about it. The next morning he wakes up. Shushu's like, we're going on the track. It's your day. We're setting the record today. And he was like, I'm not ready. And she was like, I don't care. We're going. You're never going to be ready. Get dressed. Shut up. Put on your clothes. Let's go. That Shushu's And then they went. <laughs> At <laughs> this time, Shushu was the wrong VP. Oh, Shushu, what she do, Shushu? Shushu may have left him for a Vichy official during the war. Oh. We can, we can get into it later. Um, and so pretty much he does the laps. Sets a very impressive time. But they're like, but we're still waiting for Bugatti to show. Because pretty much they waited till the last oh. minute to do it. It's like when you're in quality and you're like, I'm going to go out last so I can step the best time. It's like, I, I need, need to see know. what other people have I done. I need to see their weakness. I need to see other people's weakness. Exactly. But Bugatti's having some troubles. Oh, well, in that Jean-Pierre was in an accident. So their waiting isn't because they're planning to play some mental mind games. It's more like we have someone in the hospital Yeah, right with now. like a concussion probably. Oh. 
And they're just, and then they see, obviously, see Dillahay do this. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We have to go. And they're like, jump here is going to be fine. And if he's not fine, <laughs> we're going to put um, a former driver who is now on the team doing a different role into the car. It'll be fine. We're going to go no matter what. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Just look away. Look away. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So eventually, Jean Pierre shows up. He's injured. He's got he's like, like I I'm going to has like a gauze over his oh, head, yes. and it's just like, why did you 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 made me get out of the hospital? They said it yeah. was bad, and they're like, oh no, he go. wanted to come. Oh, he, he, wanted was a, to come. he was a psycho. He was like, I'm going to drive no matter what. <laughs> he's like blood gushing out. And he's like, it's fine. It's it's a flesh wound. Mm-hmm. But you know, every day they started to show up, and Delahaye would show up. And still, Bugatti would not drive. <gasps> they stood them up multiple days, and they kept on going. When's Bugatti? They're getting ghosted. They're like, a, yeah. They would show up it. to the track, and because they, they would be like, we need, we'll need to run right after them if yeah. they reset our time because we need to win this. And then Bugatti's like, oh. and eventually Bugatti finally did their run very close in, and um, De La Haye actually talked with the announcers, being like, well, if they start at this time. I want to start five minutes later to make sure Renee can like finish the. Okay the circuit and everything so finally he goes out i believe renee also goes out but um the bugatti suffers so much reliability issues and oh. everything else that um so Dela Dela hay was ends up winning cute, the prize money but she efficient yeah she ain't a looker but she can but she's fast done. so does it matter yeah <laughs> i'm sorry cars for insulting, insulting you. you but you can do you, you're fine you're cars. yeah and at the same time our 1938 season is really starting to shape up okay yeah, we start kind of having an, an English team entering. Obviously, De La Haye is going to enter and a lot of other ones. We're really seeing a very filled out grid. But then a tragedy overshadows some of this. I feel like we have to go a little bit back to okay, where we're okay. talking about Mercedes and Auto Union. Okay. You probably guess they built up a rivalry with each other. Yeah. And within this rivalry, we had Rudy, Rudy. serving for Mercedes. And we also had Bern Rosmeyer of Auto Union. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and they kind of became kind of the perfect foils to each other, where Rudy was the older, more experienced driver, but had had some accidents. And Rudy was new, beautiful, blonde, tall, handsome. Hitler's had wet. the had the works. Hitler's wet dream. It's like in Game of Thrones, where they were like to Cersei, there was someone will come who is more beautiful and younger than you, and will take your throne. That is Bernd Rosmeyer oh. to Rudy. Oh, Rudy. and you can imagine how Rudy feels. Rudy's they like, have a lot of snipes at each other, often oh. on the track. One point, maybe. Got in an argument in an elevator. That's a very confined space to yell at someone because you have to wait. And if you stop, like, in between a certain, like, saying something really messed up, you're stuck there for, like, 10, 15 seconds mm-hmm. with the other person just yeah, glaring at and you. Rosmeyer was kind of, had come up from being a motorcycle driver and was kind of just doing the most on track and actually ended up winning one of the championship titles in between Rudy's success. So it kind of oh, started okay. being kind of like this back and forth thing, um, which I don't, not sure if I mentioned earlier, but the championship was actually decided by having the least amount of points. You would get one point if you won a race, but you would get eight if you DNF'd. So you wanted to Wait. finish the season with the least amount of points. <laughs> That's so counterintuitive. I'll just, throw, I'll just sprinkle so that in. counterintuitive. We'll just sprinkle it in. What were the French thinking? That that would be fun and exciting. Um, okay. And so they kind of started to go back and forth, but like who's stronger, which car is better, that kind of potato okay. potato situation. They were like, who, who's number one? Who's top dog? Yeah. Um, and actually, another fun fact about Rosemary, he married an aviatrix that oh. he met at a podium. Oh. And they kind of became like this Nazi power couple. Oh. They were perfect for propaganda. They're both beautiful and athletic. And I also, as I mean, I randomly talked with you while we were setting this up. I also wonder if there was that interplay to kind of Bird Rosemary kind of being the perfect blonde, like, athlete. Yeah. And Rudy then having an injury, being older, if that also kind of played into the kind of that propaganda relationship of one is the idealized perfect body yeah. and the other one is like, 
his maybe injuries are being kind of covered in the fact that he's a great athlete and kind of they're willing to over like not overlook a lot of stuff just for propaganda yeah but maybe within kind of if you have two people on the same level one is obviously better yeah but um they kind of then their rivalry gets a body count in 1938 in January, I believe, when they're try- both trying to set the land speed record. And um, pretty much early in the morning, Rudy goes out, sets his time. And then later on the day, Rosmeyer comes out to set another time. But the conditions had changed. The wind was different. And he actually ends up being killed oh. while trying to set it. Um, so pretty much the beginning of the season was overshadowed by this. <sighs> and Auto Union obviously weakened by the lack of kind of their star was gone there's yeah their main yeah, driver also, sadly mm-hmm. passed away in such a horrific way yeah so that's how we start off this season okay Got a lot of, would you like me to take you to the season opener okay would, would 1938 season 1938 season opener okay let's, let's see how this. our new cars have shaken oh, out okay this is so like we're, group projecting we're in the south of france oh okay and pretty much every significant manufacturer in europe has come minus auto union who obviously it was like, our star is gone. Yeah. And how are we supposed to deal with that? We don't know how to handle that. Backup plans aren't our thing. Um, and so pretty much Rudy or Tazio is favored. So pretty much Mercedes or Alpha, they're like, we'll probably win this race based on their current and past performances. Yeah. Until Tazio's car burst into flames during practice. Is Tazio okay? Yeah, Tazio's okay, but he's done with Alpha and quits. Oh, so he's like, you've tried to kill me so many times. Now I gotta go. Mm-hmm. I can't. Do this and he anymore. finally then goes to Auto Union. Oh, because like, we got a spot for he's you. He's switching sides. He's like yes, Auto yes, Union yes. didn't have a, Auto Union had an open seat. Yes, which is actually kind of funny because before this point, his rival was Achille Valet, somewhere around there, yeah. and he had been in Auto Union kind of before him. It was kind of like, a, oh, like he wanted that seat but couldn't get it because of the whole like had to stay in Italy kind of yeah. thing. But then finally did get to go. Okay. So at this point, um, Bugatti never showed up to this race still. Bugatti, what's Bugatti be ghosting everybody? Like the France threw money at Bugatti and Bugatti be ghosting them mm-hmm. at these GP races. Bugatti's <laughs> just like, is it a race if I don't show? <laughs> um, and then Talbert ran so bad in practice, they withdrew. Oh, Tony. Oh, Tony Lago said we ain't embarrassing ourselves. Yes. Which can you imagine if that happened in like a modern race? Like the like, team race. Like, if Haas ran so bad that they just pulled out of the GP weekend. <laughs> Oh, I could see them, though, doing that at the same time. So at this point, they're reduced down to eight competitors. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Rudy's now super favored. They're like, this is Rudy's race this is Rudy. to lose. Oh. And then by the time they actually get down to the starting grid, they have eight drivers. And that's pretty much Rene versus Rudy is oh, the okay. lineup. And Germany versus France once more <gasps> is taking kind Ooh. of the center narrative of this race. Germany versus France always ends up in a very interesting narrative structure. It's always a barn burner. Yeah. Both literally and figuratively. Um, But Mercedes, though, as much as they're hyped up in this time, is not perfect for this track. Oh, yes. They're going to need to refuel throughout. Um, Their wheel spin is an issue for their tire management. Um, It's hot out. Hot cars don't always end well. Yep. And they couldn't use their full speed. On their oh. car at this track. Were all the chicanes that the French added? Were they like France's master <laughs> Yeah, plan? and also as well, they knew about the wheel spin and about the heat. And so it kind of changed how they had to think about the okay. race. And as you would expect from the way I've led to this, all those things will happen. <gasps> yeah, and so pretty much it started um, with everyone going out. And then about midway through the race, Rudy actually pulls out. 
Oh, because okay. I believe pain in his leg and just generally things not going his way. And he's like, what am I doing here? Why am I here? I yeah. need to go. And then they pretty much asked Herman Lang, who was the other Mercedes driver to take over his car. And it's actually interesting that Herman Lang, before he became a driver at Mercedes, I believe was a mechanic at Mercedes. So that also created kind of an interesting team relationship of this guy's been refueling your car and now also, he's in the other car. Yeah, but it's also very common like in the 1910s when I was looking through a lot of these old mechanics, like all of these old drivers, like the mechanics used to be the driver or like the engineers used to be the driver because they knew the car the best. Try telling that to Rudy. Oh yeah, Rudy didn't want to listen to that. Rudy did not care. But they suffered further mechanical problems throughout the race. But you know who didn't suffer that many mechanical problems and issues of reliability? And he actually ends up winning, setting a new record at this track. Oh. And it was kind of like the Renee. little French car that could. Oh. She was there. She was fierce. She was ready yeah. to beat some Nazis. And it kind of became one of those things where it was like, it was a small victory against rising yeah. Germany. But I mean, at that point, you could say that kind of anything that bolstered the confidence of like was kind people. of important since France was kind of shifting into that, like, we're going towards war, but we don't want to be at war kind of yeah. relationship. Um, like we see something at the end of this and it's not a good thing. Yeah, but pretty much though, um, after that, the season kind of went as expected. He actually did end up winning one more GP in Ireland, but because no German cars showed up. Oh, <laughs> but you know, yeah, you gotta get, they don't ask how. They ask how many. Yes. Um, and so pretty much after that, things went as expected with um, Mercedes and Auto Union now with Tazio kind of dominating throughout the seasons. And it's kind of something that will continue into the 1939 season. Um, Lucy's team kind of is never as successful as they were in this Aww. first race, but you need to be. No, you beat. You just need to beat the Nazis once. Yeah, you need to beat them. You need to punch them in the face once. Yeah. And she kind of actually, though, eventually gets fed up with how it's kind of reported on her team because kind of always De La Haye gets the recognition and other men within the team and she feels like she never gets or the female narrative is erased yeah and she never kind of feels like she gets credit and yeah. France hosts a second contest to give oh. money and they give it to Bugatti and she's like but I made the winning car yeah Bugatti never Why don't showed you care up about me? Bugatti ghosted so she kind of got tired of this blatant favoritism and yeah. she actually pulled out of one of the French GPs because oh. she's like well De La Haye does not control the team I control the team and I can pull out of a GP if I want to or we'll see like, who's in charge yeah. of us we'll see who's the captain now yeah and so, um, and then later on, they actually shift, I believe, to either Bugatti or Maseratis. Um, they stop running Dillahays just because they're trying to throw anything at the ceiling to see if it'll stick. And she's kind of too later affected by her husband dying and then kind of a pull out of motorsport until yeah. kind of a Monaco for the rest of her life. It was a nice life, though. Yeah, I mean, she she's Monaco. Yeah, but then um, the 939 season is actually our last kind of season before war broke out. Um, and it was actually never finished fully. Um, kind of like the 14, yeah. Yeah, and actually they were changing the scoring system at the time. They wanted to implement a new scoring system. Was it not like least means most? <laughs> <laughs> who's to say? Um, but that kind of now gives us some kind of issues with then who's the winner if we can't oh, okay. use the same scoring system um, because Yield Fia never told us who the winner was. It was never announced. There was no prize giving. You'll feel it was like, um, you just got to figure it out yourself. Yeah. And while there was kind of no official winner, the German kind of auto union group announced a winner. Not the same auto union. I mean, auto union as in the auto club. And okay. they announced that pretty much Hermann Lang was the winner for the season. But there's some contesting kind of of which scoring did you use for which races kind of thing. Oh, okay. And actually, um, the last rate, the last GP before we actually roll into World War II was in Belgrade. That people come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but pretty much only the Germans showed up. And even then, they were like, Jeremy, how'd you get here? 
like things are starting to get a little confusing here. In pretty much the race ended up being held two days after war had been declared by France and England on Germany. They were like, we paid the money you need to come yeah, here. Yeah, because pretty much Germany started to say, well, maybe I shouldn't be here. Like, this is kind of a weird look. And the organizers were like, I spent money on this. We spent a lot of money. We're going to do this. Yeah, and they ended up running the race and everything. Um, and then eventually on their way back, they kind of took some weird routes because they were afraid that they were going to get like kind of get their oil taken oh. if they got caught in like different areas and oh, they were hoping to keep it because yeah. the oil was going to become rationed obviously and by the time actually they got back to the mercedes factory they pulled up to the gates and kind of the army was there actually or like other military groups and they're kind of like it's over oh, it's like, like give us it's time to make some military grade engines and our things and they put like the kind of the cars back into um storage for that, which is not actually um, interesting for their fate after the war, where um, oh. just like the Mercedes of the first first go of this, um, those cars were actually later captured by the Russians. <laughs> took the car and we're like I want to understand what's happening here yeah it's so interesting like, um, like technology specifically how it's like it's taken from the war and like how Mercedes weirdly had this effect on different countries technology mm-hmm. throughout like these very interwar and war periods because people were like these cars are not built as cars there's something yeah. else involved mm-hmm. this German engineering as you will mm-hmm. but yeah and then pretty much we wouldn't have racing until 1945 about I believe like maybe like a week or a couple after actually the conflict ends oh, in wow. France. People are like, we gotta, go like, we gotta get back up. We then. gotta go fast, slap ass, go out. Mm-hmm. But would you like to know what happens to some of our, yes. our friends? I would, like to, I would like to know if... Who would had, you like to start with? Let's start... Actually, let's do Rene at the end. Let's start... <laughs> I wanted to know with Rudy. Let's what happened to Rudy. Um, He pretty much went to Switzerland. During the war? Yeah. He had stayed there already before while things were kind of mounting up. But during the war, he solidly stayed in Switzerland. Pretty much the whole time tried to get cars. He oh, wanted his car back. <laughs> he wanted his car back? He wanted his car back Aww. the whole time. Aww. Um, And I believe there's also some kind of issues too with how they were paying him so that the Nazis were like, why is my going to Switzerland? And make it like, make sense to me. And Mercedes was like, I don't want to make it make sense. sense. We're just going to keep it's that It's for under, Rudy. It's for Rudy. Keep that under the rug. It's for Rudy. And they pretty much told him just kind of like, maybe stay away. Maybe stay like, away. it's not great. It's not going great here in Nazi Germany. Yeah. Um, How about Louis? Louis? I believe during the war did some driving for the allies, helping like pick up like stranded like airmen and delivering them. He did survive. And actually after the war, we might get to talk about him a little bit later since he was driven a couple of GPs and actually became one of the oldest drivers to enter one. So Kimmy still has some... Yield Kimmy? No, our Kimmy. Oh. Has some records he has not topped yet in terms of age. Oh, okay. Since I believe Louis Louis, our man her Louis. Mm -hmm. How about our crazy Italian man? Tazio. I Tazio. Tazio continued to drive after the war as oh, so he did well. Survive. Yeah. yeah, but his sons um, died, um, I can believe, within a couple years around oh. there. Not from the war, from different illnesses. He oh. kind of started to get kind of life thing. not going great. He returns um, to Ferrari to do some driving later on, but his health kind of starts to go. Yeah. And I think there's kind of certain... The, the like thought. his sons died. He's yeah, dealing with him, that. He himself, too, of getting older, his body is kind yeah. of starting to go and... They eventually have to be like, Tazio, you can't just die in the car because you want to. (laughs) Because they would pretty much be like, don't kill yourself. Kill yourself. Please don't. We like you, Tazio. But his rival, though, um, Achille, is the reason why helmets are mandatory now. Oh, Achille. What did Achille do? He got in a real bad accident. And they said everybody gets a helmet now. Did he survive that real bad accident? Oh, Achille. Nope. 
And then our friend Renee. How did Renee? Well, Renee. Because Nazi Germany kind of started becoming a thing. Yeah. He was half Jewish. Mm-hmm. So with Renee, he pretty much, Lucy got him an entrance. He, after um, the war broke out, he joined the French army. But Lucy was like, I got you a ride in the Indy 500 in America. She was like, are you interested? And he's like, they're never going to let me leave. And she's like, let me talk to some people. Because oh, Lucy okay. does good talk. She She's the Alejandro of Yoldfia. Or yes, Yoldfia she's like, racing. I will talk to them. And oh. she actually did get him allowed to go. Oh, and so okay. he went to America. He drove. I don't remember how he did at the race. But he pretty much, though, when he was there, it started to get worse in Europe. So his family and Lucy and a lot of other people were like, just stay in America. You're in the be- you're in a slightly better place than coming home to France. Yeah. It's like, um, doesn't yeah, get really pretty much ends up opening a restaurant there for a little bit. Um, and Laron joins the U.S. Army, actually, and then ends up back in France. Oh, it was okay. actually there kind of when they liberate kind of the south of France and got to go find his family. Oh. Um, and I think first he went to like his sister's house. Oh, his sister survived. His yeah. family survived. And so then she was like, oh, like, I'll find her brother. And apparently his brother came out with that like pants on out of his apartment going it's it's Renee I thought you were dead I thought you were dead I'm so happy yeah, he was like all, I thought you were dead yeah and then all of them um end up actually going to New York and they open up I guess kind of like a nice French restaurant oh, that then also kind of becomes like a center for racing and like oh. race people to like come and like meet him and be like right. you drove in the crazy times, times. tell you me were, about it tell me about yield racing times yeah and I guess like he put like pictures on the wall of like oh. current like racers and I like to he's a yeah. restaurant man he yeah just, he like, became a restauranteur and then I guess he probably still got to race do some exhibition racing like before other ones and whatnot so I feel like Renee weirdly kind of like got the last laugh and getting to live like a life good yeah happy life I mean his wife left him for a Vichy official but you know Shushu but Shushu chose the bad side on the whole he got kind of yeah, he got Happiness. to live. He got to, his whole family got to live during that period, which is so rare. And yeah. he kind of got a happy ending at the end. Like very few people. <laughs> you didn't sadly. think this was going to end happy, no, did you? Not, well, a lot of things didn't end happily after you World War One. You mean the I. multiple deaths and that World we World described? II. Yeah, and also during World War Two. But at least Renee got a happy ending. At least Renee and his family got a happy ending. And he could be had a. Is the restaurant still open? Can we I go there? I don't believe so. I want to go. But there. it is funny though that um his car that he drove in that race. There's two of them um because I. Obviously, they make a couple ones. One is in, I believe, on the East Coast, and the other one is up in LA. And they both kind of say they are his car, but there's really no way of knowing, I guess. Yeah, Even when hard. looking at serial numbers, they took them apart, put them back together. Yeah. There's different groups that say, oh, this is the right one, this is his one. But then other ones that say, well, wouldn't it be? Maybe we should say they both are a little bit of Renee's car. Yeah. But at least, you know, Renee, closer than we thought he was. Closer than he's, he's close in our hearts. <laughs> He's well, I'm a, happy he, you form an attachment so yeah, fast. He metaphysically punched some Nazis with Lucy in I mean, their also ego during sense. during the Vanderbilt Cup that came back in 1937, some people oh, got to physically throw cabbages at Nazis when they showed up at the docks. They really, they were thinking ahead of their time. Some yeah. people were like... Some person carried that into like their World War II days of being like, I threw rotten cabbages at Nazis. What have you done? And they would be like, that was a good move. That was a good call. Respect. Respect. I guess this story kind of ends on a slightly bittersweet note, like many French films. <laughs> but we will be, we'll be supposedly back. We will be back. We'll be supposed to be back to talk about okay. how we do actually. We're five years out from the creation of Formula One. So yeah. we'll have to talk about. We Temple ran pretty much, I think, 80. I don't know math, but like I would say 80. I would hope you know math. 
<laughs> Sometimes I don't. We temple are in like 60 years worth of Grand Prix and racing history. Yes. So we're now hopefully getting into the fun stuff of like oh, I F1 being formed. And we're going to hopefully get to that. And you get to hear. Whatever us. we find. Yeah, whatever we find. Googling in between now and then and get back to you. Yeah, we'll let you know. You'll You'll hear something. Maybe later, maybe in the next couple seconds. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how we feel. Okay. On that note, have a good rest of whatever day you are having. Bye.